Season three of Black Belt Voices is brought to you by Southern Bancor. Southern Bancor is one of America's oldest and largest community development financial institutions. Founded to provide underserved communities with access to capital and the wealth building tools needed to grow. On the web at banksouthern.com and southernpartners.org. You're listening to the Black Blood Voices podcast, where we tell stories from and about black folks down south. These stories honor our history. You know, they didn't have any problem enslaving children their age. So why would you have any problem teaching children that slavery existed and what slavery was really like? Celebrate our culture. Black Southerners are just like none other. I mean, we are just seasoned to perfection, honey. And shape our future. Voting is a form of currency. You have to use it. Welcome back to another episode of Black Belt Voices. We're continuing our discussion on the cost of racism. This time, we're focused on building community wealth. Today's guest has always had a passion for helping others, and after picking up different skills throughout college and his career, decided to step out on his own to be even more effective. My name is Timothy Lampkin. Most people call me Tim. I am the CEO and founder of Higher Purpose Co. Tim Lampkin, for about as long as he could remember, always had a passion for helping others and being a part of something bigger than himself. That passion eventually led him to speaking at the White House. And we'll get to that part in a minute. Now, I've known Tim for a while, and I did not know this, but he was born in Chicago and grew up in Clarksville, Mississippi. Tim says that being part of a smaller community helped him find his stride and thrive. He also found Reuben Smith, a mentor who helped guide him in the past that interested him most. If it wasn't for um, my mentor, who actually was a a deacon at my church, um, kind of embracing me to say, hey, like, what are you trying to do in life? You know, let me let me try to guide you in that direction. Um, if it wasn't for him, and, and he passed away several years ago, um, his, his name was um, Reuben Smith. And, you know, he had done a lot of work in the community, working with um, Head Start, uh, working with uh, voters registration, um, being involved with um, civil rights leaders such as um, Avery Henry, um, and really advocating for uh, more um, services and opportunities uh, for the community. And so this, you know, this was my my mentor uh, and he had a very uh, strong presence and uh, people knew uh, when he was in the room and people knew when he left um, because of his demeanor. And a lot of that uh, I started to adopt as I transitioned through high school um, and eventually went to college. At Mississippi Valley State, a historically Black college or university, or also known as an HBCU, he honed his leadership abilities, becoming president of the Student Government Association. He later moved to Mobile, Alabama for a few years, where his job taught him a lot about managing people. But Tim wasn't fulfilled. So 
So he called his mentor, Deacon Smith, very early one morning to tell him all about it. And the first thing he said was, come back. Come back home. There's plenty of work for you to do. Come back. Get involved. And so um, a couple of months after that, I moved back, got involved, um, working at the local public library, doing um, kind of community engagement, uh, working with um multi-generational uh, projects, started to learn how to write grants, um, help the public library write a few grants. We, we got those grants. And then again, it was like, well, what is this? What is this career? Like, where's my, like, where is the, where's the pathway to me having like a career? He ended up leaving the public library and became a program consultant at Delta State University. That's when he really started to understand the need for business development in the Delta. Yeah, and I think anybody who is from the South, whether you are close to the Arkansas or Mississippi Delta or just in the region, you understand, you know, what the connotation behind being part and living in the Delta sort of means, or at least the stereotypical connotation behind it. That's very true. Deacon Smith came back and told Tim about another opportunity. It was for a community development officer at Southern Bank Corps in 2013. As you know, it's an underwriter of this podcast. And Tim is just steady picking up more skills. That's how I really started to like understand like, oh, like there's this whole other world called financial institutions <laughs> and financial services. Like, like I know what a bank is, but like there's there's actually like an industry and there's like there's careers and there's like it, it was just like a, a mind blowing to me. Like once I got into, you know, um, the the industry and also understanding like, what is a CDFI, right? What is a community development financial institution? Like where the heck did it come from? Why should I know about it? And why should I be, you know, mindful of like how these institutions work um, in the community? And so I was there for probably almost two years and was able to coordinate, facilitate, uh, with different entities, um, federal entities, foundations, private, you know, individuals, and bringing over a million dollars of funding uh, to support um, the community development of Clarksdale and Cahoma County. And that's when he founded Higher Purpose Co. Higher Purpose Co. is a 501c3 economic justice nonprofit whose mission is to build community wealth with Black residents in Mississippi by supporting the ownership of financial, cultural, and political power. That's a lot. So from his early days of working in the church, to his college education, to his career jobs at the library, to Delta State, to the bank, he has been collecting experiences, cultivating his passion to serve. And although a lot of people liked his idea for higher purpose, he had a few haters and it came with some resistance. And I'm not surprised. When you talk about putting Black business on equal footing with white businesses, helping restoring community, for a lot of people, that's crazy talk. But I thought, and maybe I was like naive, I thought people would just be like, oh, like, this is like 2015. And yeah, like, this is not 1980. So it's important that everybody has access to the same things. You're right, Tim. I thought <laughs> that that was going to be like the case. And then when I realized like, wait, 
there are people that literally are upset because I am prioritizing black people in a black community. And I remember like meeting, sitting here talking to a banker and I was like, yeah, you know, we really want your support. We really want, you know, your entity to be a part of what we're doing. We really would love for you to, you know, provide some financial support to help make this happen. And the banker said, so you want more black people to open businesses? And I said, "Mm." I said, yeah, I think that would be a good, good thing. And he said, well, who's going to work at the casinos and the the manufacturing plants? And like, who's going to do that? Like, like, and I'm sitting here and I'm just like, how do I, like, how do I not be enraged right now? You, you basically said, well, Tim, <laughs> Who's going to work on the plantation? <laughs> if black people got businesses and they're working for themselves, like who's going to work for the, who's going to work for the man? Who's going to work for the white man? Like who's going to work? You know what I mean? It's just like, wait a minute. This is, this is 2016. And like, you have the, the audacity to like say that to me and like, didn't think anything about it. And I'm just like, wow. So here we are. <laughs> we're we're still here, and so uh, that was that was some of the resistance that uh, you know I ran into, and I remember like there was a conversation, and and I can't rem- it was in the earlier years, but there was a conversation I had with um, another um, black business owner, and definitely like respected this brother and i remember him calling me and saying you know i've been at these functions and at these meetings and like people want to know like tim like why are you you know why are you saying black like why are you like you know it's just it maybe the words that you're using like this is a this is another black man calling me and basically saying like you making the white folks mad, Tim. They talking about you. And I'm literally like, I'm looking at the phone and I'm just like, no, nah, you ain't calling me about this. Like, you could have called me and said, listen, I'm just letting you know, I got your back on this. I, I, I pushed back and I said this, but to be almost in agreement with like, you you stirring up trouble. So like, that's like a whole nother podcast interview. (laughs) Tim resigned from his full-time job in March of 2015, but his earlier work was still being noticed. A creative placemaking project he was a part of while doing consulting work got the attention of the Obama administration. That's right. The Barack Obama. In November of 2015, Tim spoke at the White House about how arts and culture can be used to restore communities and create a narrative that makes sure that people of that community are actually owners of that narrative. I love that. At Higher Purpose Co., Tim has instituted a three-pronged strategy, which includes business ownership, advocacy, and narrative change. It all kind of started with a platform Tim created called Higher Purpose Academy. 
It was a one-day event for folks to learn about entrepreneurship, leadership, and financial leadership. He brought in keynote speakers, and 75 people showed up to the very first one. And I'm just like, oh, like, we might be onto something here. And so that Higher Purpose Academy turned into another Higher Purpose Academy, turned into another Higher Purpose Academy. And we, we kept bringing in different speakers, different um, entrepreneurs, um, you know, from across the country to uh, really be a part of, you know, what we were building here in, in the early stage. And so at the end of that year, uh, we hosted our first uh, Women's Entrepreneurship Summit, and we partnered with the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis to do that because we noticed that a lot of Black women were coming out to our events. Yep, that checks out. <laughs> Remember our conversation with Dr. Christy Carter in episode 25? Her study, called Nevertheless, She Persisted, explored by why so many Black women start businesses. And her study came after a finding that showed that Black women outpaced every other demographic in business and job creation. Yes. And their top two barriers, as we discussed, were access to capital and facing racial bias and discrimination. So these higher purpose academies are serving an important purpose in helping address both of those. Through some of the conversations I've had in 2016, I recognized that there was a need for us to kind of move into like the capital access space. And we partnered with an organization called Kiva, which we're still a partner um, of theirs. And, you know, we work with uh, entrepreneurs to provide, you know, zero interest uh, capital um, that doesn't require any collateral. And so we started to do that in 2017. We continue to do these workshops and trainings. And then towards the end of 2017, I really started to put together programs because at this time, we really just were doing this kind of like these one-off type of events. And it really wasn't necessarily like a program with like curriculum that could, you know, that would be year, you know, year round. And so um, I took some time uh, worked with a couple of people to really kind of develop the strategy and started to really develop these programs. Higher Purpose has seen success under this three-pronged approach. More Black people have been starting businesses and even gained confidence in their ability to do so. Yes. And Tim says he's so intentional about business ownership because it creates additional revenue and it contributes to closing the overall racial wealth gap. But Tim says it's even more than that. But I also believe just in talking with so many of our entrepreneurs that we help them to see like their full potential, that they are worthy of having something of their own, having something that is an asset that literally, literally can be something that can be passed down to generation to generation. When we look at the work from this like holistic standpoint, it's much more about the whole person than it is about the individual title of being a business owner. It's about what does that title, what is that access, what is that uh, level of resources allow you to do in other aspects of your life. Now, Tim has started his statewide business fellowship program for Black entrepreneurs 
and a funding network to provide capital to these businesses. We're close to about a million dollars being deployed um, um, to, you know, Black-owned businesses. And that's a mixture of capital um, from grants to loans to uh, loan guarantees um, that we've been able to leverage uh, through the network. They also have a membership network, which includes more than 300 Black entrepreneurs, farmers, and artists around the state of Mississippi. Those memberships include trainings in areas of accounting, legal advice, marketing, branding. They even offer six free mental health sessions to their members, which is phenomenal. The uh, Institute also has um, our narrative change uh, initiative, Higher Purpose Films. And we're working with three um, Black women filmmakers here in Mississippi to uh, create um, social justice content um, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, make some more announcements about that soon. And so um, we're really, really excited about that. And kind of the last thing that's that's happening is that we're working um, to raise about $2.7 million um, for the uh, what we're calling right now the Higher Purpose Hub, which will be um, a regional community wealth hub um, that focuses on uplifting um, Black entrepreneurs, farmers, and artists uh, here uh, in the Mississippi Delta. And so uh, we've, we've already purchased a 14,000 square foot building um, in downtown Clarksdale. And, and now we are... Um, looking for partners and other funders to um, to really bring this project uh, to fruition. You'll be seeing more of Tim Lampkin. Absolutely. So in addition to all the things he has going on and to continuously improving higher purpose, he's working on the book and he's also scheduling more speaking engagements. Tim has a lot to say and a lot of great stories to share. We haven't even scratched the surface of all the things that Tim is involved in and the things that he likes to do. This is our segment where we talk about all things Black and all things Southern. And we want to get the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. First question is, okay, uh, what does being Black and Southern mean to you? It means that you are rooted in the soil that you were birthed from and that you speak in a way that people know what you're saying without you even saying something. Uh, I think people, I think black people in the South have a, have a way of speaking to each other that is uh, very unique, even when they're not saying something, <laughs> even when there are no words exchanged. And so I think um, that interconnectedness of being black and being from the South, there's this thing that you don't even have to say that another black person from the South will just know, will just get it. That's so true. Uh, so what do you wish people knew or understood about the South? That there are more Black people doing amazing things that y'all know about. So go, like, come to the South, pull up in a Black community, and learn about our work. Don't try to take over. Like, <laughs> learn about our work. Learn about the the amazing things that we're already doing. We don't need any white savers. You know, we don't need any, you know, none of that. We need. You know, we need resources, we need support, 
Um, but we can do the work on our own. We've always done that. We've always taken care of us. So what do you love most about living in the South? I love that I could literally work in the office from like nine to five and then go home, change clothes, and I can be like at the Mississippi River in like five minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So many, uh, so much natural beauty here. So if you could change one thing about the South, what would it be? Mm, nothing. That's a good answer. Wow. That's true. Because like some of the, even our worst parts, they made us who we are. Yep. Absolutely. So fill in the blank. I would love to sip sweet tea on the front porch with blank. That's a tough one there. Um, it could be anybody. <laughs> oh yeah. Anybody. Some people say relatives who've passed on. Some people say celebrities. Some people say people they know right now. Whoever you want. I would say like, I would, I would say it's between like, it's between Fannie Lou Hamer or John Lewis. Oh, hey, they, the porch is big enough for both of them. Y'all, all three of you can sit there. <laughs> <laughs> Pull up a chair. Um, that'd be awesome. So what's your favorite soul food? Like your soul food dish, like one, not one item. And at the risk of losing your black card, what's one soul food dish you could live without? So one of my favorite soul food, food dishes is uh, collard greens. And I absolutely hate <laughs> chitterlings or chitlins, as some people say. I do not like chitlins. So that's that's one that's one soul food dish that I could do without. Like keep that. <laughs> that's funny because that's that's probably the number one answer. We're playing. Oh, we need to play Black Belt Voices Family Feud. Have <laughs> your top five answers on the board. Chitlins will be up there for the one that people can do without. <laughs> Um, so what's something awesome that's happened in your life recently? I have, um, reestablished like my love for art and it's been really awesome because I'm rebuilding my own uh, art collection. I've always had this love for art. And I think in the middle of like the pandemic, I really couldn't focus on like some of the things that I, that I enjoy because I was trying to you know run the organization <laughs> all right well Tim, this, this has been fun thank you so much for for joining us yeah like thank you for you know making time i'm excited about <laughs> how this turns out you can learn more about higher purpose and their work on their website and social media pages which we put in the show notes thank you for listening be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on apple Podcasts so others can find us You can also listen to the Black Belt Voices podcast on most streaming platforms, including Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and NPR One. This episode was edited by Katrina Dupins and Prentice Dupins Jr. with music composed by Prentice Dupins Jr. Black Belt Voices is a production of Black Belt Media, LLC. Thanks again to Southern Bank Corps for underwriting our third season. And be sure to follow Black Belt Voices on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Black Belt Voices and visit blackbeltvoices.com. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.